Jesus is alive. You know, uh, Easter is more than just a celebration of something that took place 2,000 years ago. It's a celebration that Jesus is alive today. Turn with me to John chapter 20. We'll take a look in the Bible this morning about the, at the first day and then lead into recognizing who Jesus is today. Verse 19 of chapter 20, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. This is the end of the first day. Turn with me back over to Luke 24. I want you to see a little bit of the condition of the disciples. Reading from verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed or troubled about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you, when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all those things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with Jesus who told these things to the disciples. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. They didn't believe them, in case you didn't get the idle tales part. They were doubting. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, or ten kilometers. And they talked together of all these things that had happened. And so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things that happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. 
Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the, in all the scriptures the things concerning him. And when they drew near to the village where they were grow, going, which is Emmaus, he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. Days far spent, and he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he had, was known to them in the breaking of bread. So back over to uh, John 19. Here's the, where we find the disciples. This is the end of the first day. Contrary to most of our opinion, they didn't see Jesus at sunrise. The whole day is gone. He appeared to those who were walking to Emmaus, but they didn't realize who he was till he vanished. And here they are at the same day at evening, first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. The condition of the disciples is that they're fearful, terrified, troubled, confused, disappointed, hopeless, Everything they had put their hope in, their expectation, they've given their lives to something, appears to be crumbling. But then it all changed. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They went from distressed and discouraged and hopeless and afraid and sad to glad in an instant. So much so that Jesus sent them to represent him as the Father had sent Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Goes on, and Jesus says, As the Father sent me, I send you. These guys went from totally discouraged and lost to glad and being sent to represent the King of the universe in an instant. What happened? They saw Jesus, they heard Jesus. I'll share with you this morning the resurrection is not just about something in history, it's about we have the privilege of seeing and hearing Jesus, of being in his presence. See, there's a, a bigger principle here that I want to get into briefly. Hebrews chapter 12. 
from verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking to Jesus. That word literally means looking away from all else to fix our gaze on him. How do we endure when things don't appear to be how they should? We fix our focus on Jesus. Fixing our gaze or our focus on him. It says, goes on to say, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. The founder, the leader of faith. The finisher, the completer of faith. In the uh, New King James that I'm reading, they've put in of our faith, but they've put our in italics, which shows you that it's not there. It's not that he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the author and finisher of faith. Big difference. Faith begins and ends with Jesus. I want to share with you this morning, I believe the Bible makes it clear that faith is a product of relationship. Faith is a result of knowing Jesus. Hearing and seeing we shared last week about the manifestations of the Spirit. Romans uh, 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I was raised in an evangelical church, and we taught that faith comes by hearing the Word preached. But that's not actually what it says. It comes by hearing what God says, rhema. It's a relational term, but also by seeing. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. I love this story. From verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While well, he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when in the evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out with fear. Sounds like these guys were troubled quite a bit. <laughs> we see they were troubled here. And they cried out with fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Little faith. I want to us to see this picture because it's different than what I had expected much of my life. 
I'm going to need you guys. You guys are going to be all the disciples in the boat, okay? And Tim, if you'd stand over here, you get to be Jesus today. All you have to do is just stand over there. Okay, so all the disciples are here in the boat. And you know the story. Jesus comes. It's the middle of the night. It's between 2 and 4 in the morning. It's the middle of the night. They've been rowing since early evening, and they couldn't get across. And so they're there, and Jesus comes walking on the water. And everyone sees him, and we all get afraid. I'm going to be one of the disciples too. And so we're all afraid. And Jesus says... Be, a good be glad. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, I, I get to be Peter today, says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, Come. come. <laughs> Peter responded to Jesus. Now he said, If it's you, tell me to come. But he didn't just get out of the boat, he waited till he heard Jesus. And then he gets out of the boat and he starts walking to Jesus on the water. Okay? You, you see the story. And then it says, but seeing the wind and the wave. He took his focus off of Jesus to the wind. And what happened? He began to sink. See, I was taught that faith is kind of like a currency. If you have a little bit of faith, then you can get certain things from God. Okay? Maybe you have faith for headaches. But you don't have faith for something else. And it's, it's like we have a currency. And so those people, I'm going to pull out my faith currency here. I have faith currency. <laughs> like those people, when Peter gets out of the boat, he's using up his currency. Because he's walking on the water. Right? And pretty soon he comes to the end of his faith currency and what happens? He begins to sink. But that's not what the story says. He's not using up his faith. He's got faith when his eyes are fixed on Jesus. And when he looks away from Jesus and is consumed with the circumstance, the strength of the wind, the waves, he begins to sink. Not because Jesus was less able, but because his focus wasn't on Jesus. What I submit to you this morning is that faith is a product of relationship. Keeping our eyes Fixed on Jesus. So then Jesus says to Peter, who's sinking. Peter says, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches out his hand and, and pulls him up. Come on, <laughs> Jesus. So I'm, I'm assuming that at that point, Peter gets his eyes off the waves and back onto Jesus. Lord, save me. And he reaches out his hand because he had to know where his hand was to grab it. And Jesus lifts him up and they go to the boat. And then he says something amazing. He said, why did you doubt Oh, you have little faith. What about these guys? <laughs> they didn't get out of the boat. Why is he saying Peter had little faith? At least he walked on water. I don't know very many people who walked on water. Thanks, Jesus. You could have a seat. See, he didn't say, oh, you have little faith. Why didn't you get out of the boat and walk? He said to Peter, that term, little faith, is a Greek word that means undeveloped. Uh, English word would be kind of like puny. Undeveloped faith. What happened? His faith wasn't strong enough to keep focus on Jesus. 
he was consumed by the circumstances. When his eyes were on Jesus, he walked on water. And Jesus said, why did you doubt? In essence, why did you look away? Oh, you of puny faith. I always thought he should have, should have uh, got on the other disciples who, who'd never got out of the boat. It says that when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you're the Son of God. He saw something miraculous. See, little faith is when the problems, the circumstances, seem more real to us than the risen king. When we see the situation, when we see the problem, when we see the wind or the waves, when what we've put our hope in seems to be crumbling, when people have hurt us or disappointed us, when fear begins to try and get a hold of us, when the darkness of depression seems to come in, what we need to see is that Jesus is a light and stands between us and the darkness and the darkness leaves. Not because we pretend there's no darkness, but because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. See, the circumstances didn't change until Jesus got in the boat. Jesus reaches out and picks up Peter, and it's still a storm. Nothing had changed except that Peter got his eyes back on Jesus. Resurrection is not just a celebration of something that happened 2,000 years ago. It is that, because Jesus' resurrection, the fact that he came back to life meant that he was a sacrifice, and his sacrifice was complete, and it was finished, and we could come into to, uh, relationship with God. But that's still the case. Resurrection means we can come into his presence. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Come to the throne of grace to find the, the yeah, to find grace to help, mercy and grace to help in time of need. Let me ask you this morning, where's your focus? I want to submit to you that when you feel hopeless, fearful, overwhelmed so that you can't cope, it's because you get your focus off of Jesus and onto the circumstances. When you feel alone, when you feel disappointed because people have let you down or circumstances didn't turn out how you thought they should. I thought something was going to be this way, but it actually didn't work out that way. I can get discouraged or I can get my eyes back on Jesus. Mary and I were part of a church in, in uh, Colorado. And about the 18 months ago, circumstances changed in the church, and the church was unable to pay us a salary. And about three months went by, and we received no pay. And we could have gotten upset at the circumstance, and we could have blamed people or something, but we'd known for years God was our source. And so we kept our eyes fixed on Jesus, 
And we finally said, Lord, are you trying to get our attention? Is there something you want to say to us? And he spoke to us very clearly December 30th, 2016. Began a year of God doing some work to bring us here to be part of planning a church. We left the States on December 30th, 2017. Why did it take so long? Maybe we weren't hearing. Maybe there were circumstances God was putting together. But the problem is that we didn't get our eyes on the circumstances. We kept our eyes fixed on Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, are there things that you feel haven't turned out how you thought they should? That's where the disciples were. Are there circumstances that cause fear? And you say, ah, what's going to happen? And we're afraid of the future. It's one of the greatest attacks of our culture. What will the future be? Will I have enough? I actually think that uh, Jesus' faithfulness doesn't finish as we get older. He's still faithful. Amen? Do we keep our focus on him? I'm going to ask you to just bow your head for a moment. Like I said before, it's not more spiritual to bow your head. But the word says that it's easy for the word of God to get choked out by the cares of the world. So I want to give you a chance to just take a moment and say, Jesus, I choose to fix my eyes back on you. I want to hear your voice. It doesn't mean denying the circumstances. I was part of a church that the whole faith currency thing ended up being that we denied circumstances, pretending that it wasn't, no, I'm not really sick rather than looking to Jesus as the healer. It's not denying the circumstances, but it's fixing our eyes, not on the circumstances, but on Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Is there something that has taken your eyes off of Jesus. Doesn't mean that you've turned away from him. Doesn't mean that you don't love him. Doesn't mean that he's not your Lord and Savior. But it's taken your eyes. I was talking to a man a few weeks ago and he was telling me how bad the church was. He had been hurt by a church and uh, how it's become something that Jesus didn't intend. And after listening to to him for a while, I looked at him and said, yeah, but where are you with Jesus? He just kind of smiled. He said, that's a good question. He said, I probably haven't opened my Bible in eight months. 
See the circumstances. He's, and he said, Jesus is his Lord and Savior. But he'd gotten his eyes off of Jesus onto things that had disappointed him. The resurrection means that we can see Jesus. Jesus is here right now. We can reach out to him. We can hear him say, peace. Be of good cheer. And everything comes back into order. Doesn't mean the circumstances change instantly. But something changes inside of us when we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's why we as a church want to keep Jesus our focus. I'm going to ask Tim to come. We're going to close with a a song. And as we do, I'm going to ask you just to allow your focus if it's drifted away. Now, hopefully, that happens every time we gather and we worship. Our focus becomes on Jesus. But sometimes during the week, our eyes get on other things. And we need to be reminded that we can come into his throne room and find grace to help every day. Not just on Easter, but Jesus is alive. Why don't we stand?